Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Callus. It is episode 354, coming to you on the 13th of February, and it's a Monday, so that means it's a McKinney Monday. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, let me just tell you, in the last uh, week, especially this last weekend, there have been so many things going on, so many mm, interesting tidbits of information and quite frankly, crazy items that I've run across, I struggled to figure out what was going to be the best thing to do on my Monday. Well, because most of the hearsay and uh, information that I run across is quite frankly, just that it's not worthy of your time, not worthy of my time. Um, So what I'm going to choose to focus on is a couple of different things, but basically relating to local elections. <clears throat> now, let me tell you, uh, there are those that would paint me as a radical. There are those that would describe me as hmm, on the edge. And while that may be true, I find that being on the edge gives me a very good opportunity to observe everything else. Being on the outside looking in has its advantages. And in my uh, regular uh, activism, I am quite frankly in the middle of most of it. I am a good Republican in proper standing order and I play by their rules and I accommodate that which is the majority because that is what we need to do to get things done. And when I'm criticized, I got to be honest coming from somebody that is a fan of Mitt Romney or Liz Cheney or quite frankly, Susan Collins or the other one out in Alaska, whose name is escaping me at the moment, who fixed the rules so that they could win. uh, I take that as a badge of honor to be disliked by people that are in less polite company referred to as rhinos or leftist or progressive Republicans or neocons, people that are generally more concerned about what's going on in the Ukraine than our southern border, people that are quite content to bomb people that don't look like them or have the same religion as them, but really, quite frankly, aren't the least bit concerned about the things going on in our very own country. Indeed, a large number of these people seem to be worried more about getting their next election under their belt, their re-election, if you will, maintaining the power that they or their family has than doing the right thing. I am quite content to have them call me names and dismiss that which I have to say. So it comes as no surprise when I look around and I see the various candidates. Unfortunately, whoever's advising a lot of these folks or, or, or whatever means by which they determine to run, they look at these municipal elections as a primary, right? They think there is an advantage to be gained by being the most pure, the most conservative, the most whatever, when in fact they're painting themselves into a corner. Now, I realize this may sound anathema, and I realize perhaps if you've heard me speak before, you think, oh, Callus, you're talking on both sides of your mouth, you're, 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 Given us a different story, well, yes and no. In a primary, 
in a primary, I want that person to be as honest and forthright with his supporters, with the people that the party belongs to want to hear. They need that red meat. They need reassurance that you're the real thing. But when you're running a municipal race, particularly a school board race, that's going to scare away a lot of voters. I, I mean, let's face it. The parents really only care about one thing. Does my little Johnny or Mary learn enough to pass the test so that they can move on to the next grade? And will I have my illusion that little Mary or little Johnny is going to be going to college and become successful because of it? Can I have a nice pretty school to send my kid to? And can I have the reassurances that they are being properly prepped for their future? They don't care about the details. They are quite frankly, quickly to dismiss any thought that their children might be programmed or groomed or exposed to hmm, less than stellar things by other people. They're quick to dismiss the idea that uh, there might be some nefarious things going on because they're smiled at and given a wave by the person that greets them at the door. And they know plenty of nice people that work in the school district. All that can be 100% true, and that is the perception that the district works extremely hard to put forth, and quite frankly, they're generally successful. And quite frankly, most of the school districts, notwithstanding the many problems or issues that they may have, do a good job for the vast majority of the people that go there. So that's not a very high bar. But if you step in and basically paint them as all being crazy groomers or you dismiss everything that they're doing as meaning being meaningless because uh, there is a bad person that works at the district or something slipped through the crack or something was given a wink and a nod and tolerated because they didn't have a better option, you're painting yourself into a corner. Now, unless you're in Prosper, whereupon the president of the school board decided that Mm, they were going to go explore their wild side as an adult man with somebody that was not an adult or a man. Well, I guess it could go either way there. Uh, Promptly dismissed, but then the school board in their infinite wisdom decided that we the people weren't worthy of getting a say at who the new person was that they should just appoint somebody else. And while I can see both sides of that argument, when you have five to eight percent of the population showing up to actually vote, why would the board be considered or concerned of what the people think, since they apparently don't care what they think? And then you can look to what goes on in my own school district, McKinney, where we have six people three of which have been there for extremely long period of time and really have nothing more to add or offer that hasn't already been implemented, but they're not going anywhere and they reject the notion that people might have differences of opinion and they don't want them to be heard nor give any credence to their concerns. But yet, we don't have, we don't have a consent cohesive plan of what we're going to offer that I'm aware of. Okay. Now I'll be honest. I know all three candidates in McKinney ISD district, actually all four of them. Now I know them well enough 
to have spoken to them, and I know their ideas and what they want, but they have to sell their idea, their story, to the general public that wants to believe that McKinney ISD is great and there's no problems. And if all I do is run around talking negative, honestly, the majority of the voters are going to turn me off. So I need to take a page out of Marvin Lowe's book. If you haven't seen his video from a week or two ago, you need to go and look it up. And Marvin Lowe starts out by saying, hey, look, we have a great district. We have a lot of great people that work in this district. However, there are these couple of things that we could really improve. And this is how I think we can improve it. Now, for you candidates out there, whether you're going to be running in Frisco or Prosper or McKinney, I hope you're paying attention. Marvin shouldn't have won that race by all people that were concerned. In fact, <coughs> it Somewhat ironic that my mayor decided to inject himself in a Frisco school board race so far as that he didn't want Marvin to win for reasons that escape me. But if you're going to stick with the status quo, if you're going to stick with the story that everything is great and we don't have to do anything, then yeah, by all means, disregard what Marvin Lowe disregard what Stephanie Elod have been working on for the last year plus in their school board. Just ignore all the abuse and all the garbage that's been leveled at Chad Green because he dared to ask a few questions. He dared to not toe the line. I know Chad Green personally. I think he's a stand-up guy. I trust him immensely. I'm proud to call the man my friend. And I can't see any reasonable justification for the abuse that they're pushing upon him. Yet, there are a number of people running to support him. They're running to replace these same people that are doing this. And my fear is people are going to get lost up in the concept that this is a personality conflict, that this is, this is an issue that is all about not doing the right thing, but rather we're not happy. And I have no doubt that some of the people that are motivated and get involved are because they're unhappy, they're dissatisfied, they don't like being mistreated. But the reality is, there is a legitimate underlying issue here. <clears throat> we have books that really should be illegal, but violate certain standards. The school district would like to pretend they're not there. They would like to convince the general public that they would do nothing that would potentially harm their child. <clears throat> Yet there's direct evidence to suggest that's not the case, but they've dismissed it. They've ignored it. They've poo-pooed it. They've shut people down. They've violated their rights because they weren't interested. They go on the idea that everything is perfect and shiny Yet they didn't have a succession, or I'm sorry, a succession plan in place for when the current superintendent stepped down. Now they have six votes that vote in lockstep on pretty much every issue. And honestly, a good number of times, Chad is in agreement with them if they're doing the right thing and they're working towards making the school district better and progressing. So it's just an idea that Chad has the audacity to ask a few questions or question the narrative or isn't sure about certain things. And there's a number of people that are running that are from a similar mindset. So I ask you, do you want a board 
It doesn't matter what city you're in that just goes along and gets along, that goes along to support whatever the superintendent wants. No, they're supposed to oversee the superintendent. They're supposed to direct the activities of that school district. They're supposed to act in concert, even when they don't agree, if this is what the best option is, or this is what the majority of the board determined is the best option. But we're not even allowed to have that discussion. We're not even allowed to know that discussion occurs. And if it did occur, it was to how can we run off the single member of the board that isn't in automatic lock, lockstep with what our superintendent wants, even though he's outgoing and quite frankly, up till this point has done a pretty good job, right? I mean, that's what we're told. We shouldn't question that. We shouldn't look into it. Now, to be fair, when you have a large district with a number of schools and quite frankly, some of them have challenges that others don't and you've got to balance your resources and find a way to do it. So you need resources or you just have to look at how are you allocating those resources, but you have to be open and honest about it. Not just hide everything, not pad the books, not quote lie to people, but that's what we do. I mean, it's done all the time. This is nothing unique to the school board, McKinney or otherwise. This happens at the city level. This happens at the state level. This is a common practice for we the people to be fed a line of bull by those in charge. So when we get our own candidates, when when we get people that are going to run, they have to be a little more strategic. They have to think about what's the best way to reach our goals. The goal being is to retire some people that need to go. Now, I've spoken enough about McKinney that I feel comfortable that I've handled that. You've got four candidates running, two in one race against an incumbent, and one more in each other race running against an incumbent. You have good choices there. You can choose to keep the status quo. You can choose to ignore the system. system. The systemic problems that exist, whether you think they're major or minor, they do exist. They need to be addressed, but you can leave the people there that are ignoring it, or you can put in somebody else and you don't have to love the person that's running. You you can even be a little put off by representation or what side of the aisle they're on or anything like that. You just have to be willing to say all is not right. And perhaps we got to put some other people in there that are going to ask questions that are going to look into things. You just have to be willing to do that. And if you decide they're terrible, I can't believe I voted them. You can vote them out. But no, no, I know that the majority of the people are content because they don't care. Frisco ISD had to confront their problem. They were losing teachers like nobody's business. They couldn't organize things well, and they didn't have any good, solid plans for retaining or recruiting new teachers. Along comes Stephanie Elod. She addresses that issue heads on. Along comes Marvin Lowe, and he says, look, we have these issues. We need to address them, and we need to look at better ways to do that. And one of them is, hey, we're uh, pretending that boys are girls and letting them go into the locker room or the bathroom. That's a problem. Now, maybe that's not your primary thing. Maybe you look at the things like, hey, we're putting in some bad stuff into the curriculum. And while the curriculum itself isn't labeled CRT, we're impugning that into the rest of the curriculum that we're teaching under the notion of social emotional learning. And we're creatively injecting the same garbage into everything else and just not calling it CRT because, you know, that's not allowed by the state. 
Or perhaps you're in <clears throat> Prosper, where they hide the fact that a school bus driver allegedly was molesting children. Then they hide um, a teacher that was, <laughs> well, apparently she had some other uh, side job going on. And it wasn't until that it was outed that they decided, oh, well, maybe we ought to do something about this. And oh, by the way, the president of the board apparently had another little extracurricular activity going on and he had to resign in shame, disgust, but yet, hey, there's no problems in Prosper ISD. There's nothing to see here. I don't understand why everybody that shows up there isn't clamoring for the members of that board that knew what was going on to resign in shame. Now, maybe one or two of them are good people and they just were caught in the circumstance. Okay, I'm fine. Maybe. But if ever there was a case for a board to be tossed out in whole, Prosper is it. But far be it for me to tell you what to do, because quite frankly, the vast majority of the people are just fine with the status quo. We're not going to question anything. So you may have noticed I've talked about three cities that all have school districts that service my city. In my city, hmm, you know... (laughs) We got, apparently, okay, the window's not closed yet, so there's a whole lot that could happen, but we've got one guy that's going to run for re-election on the city council, whom I would say is less than stellar as far as his representation, and doesn't seem to really be involved at all beyond whatever obligatory things he has to show up at. He didn't even draw a challenger. How does that happen? But, hey, you know, he's an incumbent. I, I could excuse that. I could forgive that. And then, oh, well, we had an open seat in District 2 because the guy there, who, whether you love him or hate him, is a known quantity, but he turned out. Apparently, of course, this is speaking as of uh, the 13th, nobody is interested in running. But, hey, at least we lucked out Patrick Cloutier, who had previously ran in the special election to be in the at-large seat, decided that the at-large seat was probably not the best fit for him. So he was going to step over and represent District 2. I've met Patrick. I think quite highly of him. I'm hoping that he uh, chooses to meet with his constituents as often and as well as Justin Beller does. Keeping in mind, I did not support Justin Beller. I'm not a fan of Justin Beller's politics. But as far as representing his people, he does the job. Now, whether or not they're happy with it, whether or not they're going to keep him, Don't know. But that's a very low bar. You meet with your constituents. You interact with your constituents. You treat the people that elected you with a little bit of respect and kindness. And then, of course, there's the open seat. Now, in case you haven't heard, last week, uh, Mr. Tom Meredith, another gentleman that I'm happy to call a friend, has thrown his hat in the ring. Because now it's an open seat, you know, that at-large race. I believe there's one other gentleman running, but at least we're going to have at least two people running for this. Now you can say what you want about the mayoral race a couple of years back, but what I will tell you is we need somebody that's willing to step in, look at things with fresh eyes, doesn't just carry the water for whatever the establishment wants, and quite frankly is willing to have a discussion and meet with people and hear out opposing ideas 
and seek to have a good resolution. So as far as that goes, the guy's got my endorsement. You need to go look up Tom Meredith. I mean, you can, like I said, <laughs> anybody that ran against uh, the mayor two years ago was going to be running for a hard race, but this seems like a much lower bar here. Seems like a much better fit. I think Mr. Meredith's got a wide knowledge base, easy to talk to, and is concerned about his city. He owns a building downtown. He had a long-term business downtown. He lives on the other side of town. He's very vested in the city of McKinney. This is what we want. We want business owners. We want people that are involved. We want people that are interested in giving back, participating in what the long-term strategy and plan is for the city of McKinney. And while there are those that would love to spend more money than we have on various projects, maybe they're worthwhile investments. Maybe they are. But let's see the real numbers. Let, let's actually investigate it and look into it. Let's just not take somebody's word for it that's got a vested interest in that outcome. Just saying. I need to spend some time looking at what's going on in Frisco and Prosper. They're the two neighboring cities that also have uh, city council elections. It'd be kind of curious to see how those uh, settle out. And I will report probably in a week or two about that. But for right now, I kind of got my hands full with the city of McKinney and the various school board races. One thing I would like to re uh, consider here. You reference the, or I reference the idea that a lot of these folks are running as if it is a primary, which means that a number of people with similar points of view or similar ideas are getting in the race. Now, if you're in Prosper and you have multiple people up for re-election, I'm not really sure why you would put a bunch of people that have similar ideas and similar desires in the same exact race. Now, I could see where, like in McKinney, you end up with two people in the same race. Don't know that that's the best or the <laughs> that's the outcome you want, but I could at least see where that would happen. But apparently in Prosper ISD, you have four people that are in the same race. As far as I know, there's two other races. Why wouldn't you at least look into one of the other races to run in? I'm just saying. I mean, the current school board has made a mockery of what it is to be a school board. They have <laughs> messed all sorts of things up. It might be a good opportunity to get in one of those other races. I'm just saying. Far be it me for me to question what these guys are doing. I would just like to see a better outcome rather than five people in one race and two people running on a post. And when you get down to it, I wonder why is it that we can't find anybody willing to run? Are they afraid of a little abuse? Are they afraid of having to spend a bunch of money? Well, that's a real thing, by the way. If you had to spend fifty thousand or a hundred thousand dollars to run for a city council race, or twenty-five to fifty thousand dollars to run for a school board race, there's something wrong with that. But people do it. Makes me think that maybe there's something on the back end that justifies that kind of expense. Makes me think that perhaps there's people that have a vested interest in how certain things happen. 
might be interesting to go look at, well, I don't know, Plano, for instance, or Frisco, and find out who sits on the planning and zoning board and who it is they're supporting running for candidates. Perhaps maybe you ought to reconsider whether you want to support that person or not. Because, quite frankly, those cities have a vested interest in throwing in a whole bunch of high-density living. And that doesn't usually work out real well for the city that it happens in. High-density housing, you know, you got to have it some places. It serves a function. But when you have 30 or 40% of your new build-out being made high-density housing, that's kind of a problem. Maybe it's not really balanced well. Never mind that they might be Democrat voters. It just, yeah, don't need that many people in that little of an area. I I saw a graphic of the spread of Paris versus the spread of New York City and how it's so much denser. I wonder if, you know, that's what Hong Kong's like, right? I don't think in our current culture that putting in a whole bunch of people into a small area is going to work out well. Just saying. And while we're talking about culture, what culture? Because apparently there is zero interest in protecting and building upon the existing Western culture we had in this country. No, no, we have to throw that all out to accept everybody else's culture. But if you're not joining the culture that exists, how does that work well together? I mean, there are literal no-go zones in our country now. No-go zones. We thought there was some kind of laugh stock, you know, laughing stock thing that happened over in Europe, right? But no, no, I'm fairly certain that you, my dear listener, would not want to go to Dearborn. Or for that matter, certain parts of Portland. <laughs> how did that happen? How did we allow this to happen? Why do we pretend this is a good thing? I don't know. I think it's because people are afraid. For the same reason that they don't want to stand up for the crazy stuff that comes out of a city council or school board. They don't want to be called names. They want to be ostracized. They don't want anybody to question them. Well, you got to get moved past that. We're in the danger zone, folks. You can't run four candidates that are very similar in a single election that's not a primary and expect a good outcome. You can't run shotgun candidates for multiple races that are solely dependent upon their coworker, if you will, getting across the finish line at the same time. You can't make everybody so dependent on one another because we won't be able to function. We need some of that independence. We needed some of that... mm, self-reliance that we used to have whether it's candidates or just people in general if we don't have that we're not going to get anywhere we're not going to fix anything the strategy being that you can't fix where we're at right now but you can make strides to move forward we didn't get where we were where we're currently at overnight the progressives have been working at this for a century and they're at the cusp of destroying what was once a great country Now, whether you believe Trump or not, whether you like Trump or not, he spoke about making America great again. He was positive. He was forthright. He had just a few things that he wanted to do, and he really thought they were going to do good things. 
Now, sadly, through a sequence of events that I can't justify, he is not there anymore. And the guy that replaced him (laughs) is doing a really good job of wrecking everything. Hey, but that's okay because that's the status quo. And, you know, hey, there's some Republicans in Congress and they're going to have some hearings and, you know, they're going to fix everything. Of course, if you believe that, you ought to go look at Austin. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a responsibility to stand up. We have a responsibility to pay attention. We have a responsibility to be an informed electorate. We have a responsibility to recognize when things aren't getting done, when things aren't being addressed, we've got to throw the bums out. You got to be willing maybe to take one lefty with two conservatives, or if you're a lefty, two lefties with one conservative, just so you can get a difference of opinions, just so you can get some different ideas. I didn't lose sleep over the fact that the guy I didn't want to run won his race because quite frankly, somebody that's going to meet with his constituents and explain things and spend time with them, even if he is left of center, even if he is more progressive than me, he's doing the job. That's a very low bar, by the way. But we need to be willing to do the same thing. We need to be willing to meet people where they're at. We, those on the right, us liberty activists, we have to be willing to go and meet people where they're at and accept the fact that, yeah, maybe they're not with us on 90%, but maybe they're with us at 70%, or maybe they're with us at 65%. And we have to show them why we're the better option. We have to show them why, if they support our ideas, if they support what we want to do, we're going to get a better outcome than what you currently have but we're not doing it. I'm suggesting, ladies and gentlemen, that we can't fix McKinney. We can't fix the school district if people just don't care. If they continue to buy in that this is just good enough. If they're fat, dumb, and happy in front of their TV. If if they're enjoying their bread and circuses. Does any of this sound familiar, folks? The tyranny of the majority is here. And they're doing a really good job of running the rest of everybody off through sheer complacence. That's not the outcome I want. That's not something I desire. And I'm going to suggest that those of you out there that agree with me, we have our work cut out. We have to invest our time, our efforts in our money in the quote-unquote great unwashed. We have to convince them that we have better ideas. We have to convince them that there is a way forward. We have to remind them that all is not lost. This too shall pass. It's been said once, it's been said again, and I'm going to repeat it. It only took 12 to change the world. And with that, this was According to Callus, and I want to remind you (laughs) (laughs) like, share, subscribe to the show, comment, rate, do this for me so that I can do this for you. And until then, I will see you on the other side.